0: conference there, uh, so we're thankful that he's able to minister to some friends of ours in Missouri, and uh, he'll be back uh, for Easter Sunday. I know many of you are traveling to the Linder wedding, so he'll be attending that as well. So uh, we're thankful to have Nick, and uh, what a blessing that was. So, uh, if, if you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be in our Lord's prayer series today called Pray Like This. And as you're turning, I just want to point your attention to that Easter outreach next week again, as you're flipping in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. So you'll notice that these invitations are placed around the church on your way out. If you would grab as many of those as you could possibly grab and invite as many of your friends and family members to Easter Sunday as you would like to, we would love that. Um, One of the things that we want to be, in addition to being a welcoming church, is an inviting church. We want to reach out to our community and let them know that we are here and that we care about them and that we want them here. And so next Sunday, I would encourage you to uh, join us at 5 p.m. down in the fellowship hall. We're going to meet together there and we're going to pray. And then we'll head out into the neighborhoods surrounding the church. And we need your help. We just wanna go around with uh, some gift bags that have these Easter invitations inside those gift bags along with some other gifts and invite as many people to Easter as we can. And so I hope you'll join us. We need you at 5 p.m. next Sunday evening, permitting that the weather allows. us. So uh, hopefully that will, God will bless us with good weather and we'll be able to do that. Um, and by the way, if you can't make it to Easter outreach, you can still take as many invitations as you want. So those are around the church at all the exits. So I hope you'll take advantage of that and invite people to Easter Sunday. When was the last time that you prayed for forgiveness? You know, if you really think about it, maybe it was when you got saved. When you came to know Jesus for the first time, maybe you had a friend or a family member or someone that you knew that kind of walked you through what people call the sinner's prayer, you know, where, you know, they're like, okay, pray after me, and you kind of repeated the words after, after them, and, and you, you asked God for forgiveness for the first time, and maybe since then you haven't really thought about it much. Or maybe for you, you know, the idea of praying regularly for forgiveness kind of reminds you of what Catholics do in confessing to a priest. And, and, and you know, they, they come to their priest and they say, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. And so maybe, maybe you're in one of those two spots when you think about prayer for forgiveness. Maybe you haven't thought about it in a while, or it just kind of brings up these kind of thoughts about, you know, maybe, maybe that's just something that Catholics do. You know, Catholics pray for forgiveness regularly, and that's not really something that we do as Baptists, you know. Um, but prayer for forgiveness is actually something that Jesus teaches us to do regularly in the Lord's Prayer. And it's not because we need to come to a priest and ask forgiveness from a priest. It's because he is our great high priest who has given us access to God the Father constantly, that we are his children through him and that we have access to God all the time. And so whenever we sin against God, we have access to our loving Father that we've sung about and we can come to him asking his forgiveness because of what Jesus has done. And so Jesus is going... To to teach us to pray regularly for forgiveness as we continue to look at the Lord's Prayer, starting in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 9. Let's read it together. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Would you pray with me? Father, today we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus, and we ask... God, teach us to pray. God, we pray that you would help us today to understand a little bit more what forgiveness means so that we can ask for it boldly and constantly, trusting in the work of your son on the cross, knowing that you freely give forgiveness through his work for us. That we can come to you without fear of punishment in the name of Jesus, asking for forgiveness, knowing that you will give it. And so, Lord, we do that today with our hearts that are prone to wander, with with the things that we wrestle with in life. God, we come to you and we ask for your forgiveness. And we thank you for it, trusting that in Jesus Christ, you have given it to us. And it says in his awesome and mighty name we pray. Amen. Well, I have four... And I just want to give you my outline as we start to walk through this sermon on praying for forgiveness. I want you to see where we're going from the start. And so the, the first thing we're going to look at is the idea that we need forgiveness. And then we're going to look at that because we need forgiveness, we pray for forgiveness on a regular basis. And because the reason that we pray for forgiveness regularly is because God actually grants forgiveness. He makes it available to us. And because God has forgiven us, we then forgive others. So that's where we're going. That's, you know, from start to finish, that's where we're going today. As we look at the idea that we are to pray regularly for forgiveness, let's start with the first point, that we need it. We need forgiveness. Look with me at verse 12, quickly. Jesus, as he's teaching the disciples how to pray, as he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he says this. He says, and he says, give us this day our daily bread, which is what we looked at last week, right? Praying for our daily needs, praying for what only God can provide. And then right after that, he says, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And so right from the start of that phrase, we see that there's, there's something that we are in need of. Jesus is teaching us to pray for something that we need. He says this, this phrase, our debts. Forgive us for our debts. And then later in the passage, in verses 14 and 15, we read a a, a different word. It says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so Jesus gives us these two terms, debt and trespasses. And, and these two terms explain our need for forgiveness, why we would pray for forgiveness on a regular basis. So let's just think about those two ideas that Jesus uses to describe what sin is. So, so the idea that sin involves debt is this idea that uh, you owe something, right? And so the other day, Brittany and I were, were walking through Hobby Lobby, and, and you know, Brittany's looking for ideas to you know, decorate some spaces in our house, and, and I'm just kind of along for the ride, and because I know little to nothing about design, about music, anything that's artsy in any way is just not me. And so I'm along for the ride, and, and I'm looking at these signs, and I'm just kind of chuckling at some of them. And then I see this one at Hobby Lobby that says, beware, nothing across this line is worth death. And, and, I, and it had a picture of a shotgun on it. And I just started laughing because, because it's the perfect sign. You know, um, you know, if, if you don't want someone to come onto your property to, to cross that line, if you want your privacy, you know, then you would put this sign up, and then people would know that if you cross this line, then what results, that what you owe is your life, that you're going to cross this line, and there's going to be death. This is the idea of a trespass, right? When we trespass something, when we step over the line, there's a consequence, And so he's like, "There's, there's nothing over this line that's worth your life. And it's the same thing that God is saying to us when he gives us commands. When God gives us commands, he's not trying to withhold joy or pleasure from you. He's not trying to withhold good things in life from you. When God gives commands, he's saying, here's a line, and if you cross it, it results in your death. There's nothing over this line that is worth what you're going to have to give up, what you're going to owe. You know, we all, we, we all have different kinds of debt, right? You know, may, maybe you're in a spot in life where, you know, you're debt-free and you've done the Dave Ramsey thing and you've, you know, maybe, you know, not gone on the show, but you've, you know, yelled along with them at home, I'm debt-free, you know, and, and you know, you're in a good spot in life. But most of us, we have some kind of debt, whether it be student loans, or our car payment, or our mortgage. We have something that we owe to someone else. We have something that we're responsible for. We have some kind of agreement in which we've entered in, and we owe someone a debt. And what the Bible teaches us is that whenever we sin against God, there is a debt that we have to pay, that we are responsible for. And what we owe is our very life. Because what God has said to us is that when you transgress these good lines that I've set in place, these commands that I've set out not to withhold things from you, but to actually lead to your joy and the fullness of life and human flourishing, when you cross that line, there's only death. You are condemned, you are in debt, you owe God something. And so we understand this idea of debt and trespasses because we, we have it in our lives in different ways. And it, it exposes our need for forgiveness. When Jesus teaches us to pray regularly for forgiveness, we have to first recognize that we actually need this. I don't know about you, but if I'm, if I'm going to Jesus, like we've said the past few weeks, if I'm going to Jesus and, I, and I've got five minutes with Jesus and I'm like, Lord, teach me how to pray, I'm going to be writing down everything that he says, right? He knows better than anyone how to pray. And he, in fact, prayed to his father regularly. And and he knows what I need better than I do. So if I go ask Jesus, Lord, teach me to pray, then I'm going to be taking notes and writing down everything that he says. And in fact, that's exactly what we've got. We have a record of what Jesus answered to that question. When his disciples came to him in Luke's gospel and they said, Lord, teach us to pray, this was his response. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and then he says, and forgive us our debts. So the first thing that we have to see about what Jesus is teaching us in this phrase of his model prayer is that we're in need of something from God. We're in need of something that only God can provide for us, and that's forgiveness. And so we look at this idea of deaths and trespasses, and, and we have to ask ourselves, okay, if this is what we have to recognize first is that we need forgiveness, do we understand what we need forgiveness for? Do we see the areas in our life where we're prone to wander away from God and his good commands for us, from his will for us, from his design for our joy and fullness of life? Do we understand the ways in which our hearts are tempted to fall away from the living God and to walk away from him in rebellion against him? Are you aware of the things in life that you want more than you want God? Whether it be money, power, sex, control, security, comfort. Are you aware of the temptations of your heart, the things that you want more than you want God that cause you to wander and stray and rebel against him, that cause you to look at the lines that he's set with his commands and say, no, actually, I think this is better. Are you aware of the things that tempt you to cross that line, that make you believe that it's worth it. Can you see the ways in which you have sinned against God and those around you? Can your harsh words with your spouse or, or your indulgence and in, in lust and pornography or your, your gossip and slander about your coworkers or, or your apathetic attitude towards your job or your kids or your family as a whole? Are you aware of the ways in which you, on a daily basis, sin against God and those around you? Because we do this, right? We, we sin against God, against God and those that God has placed in our life on a regular basis. We all commit wrongs against one another and ultimately against the God who created us. The first thing that we recognize is that we are in need of forgiveness from God. And so because we know that we need forgiveness, we pray for forgiveness. We listen to what Jesus has said, and we pray for forgiveness. We ask for it regularly. We learned last week with Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread that the kind of prayer Jesus is teaching us here is daily. It's a daily prayer. It's a prayer that you pray more than once. So forgiveness is not just something that you ask for when you first come to Jesus and become a Christian. You're not done after the sinner's prayer. It's not, it's not that you don't need, need to pray this kind of prayer anymore. And it's also not that you need to pray this kind of prayer over and over again every time that you sin. The idea here is that Jesus has made forgiveness available to us. He's made a relationship with God available to us. He's made the Father He's given us constant access to him. And so the idea is not that you would need to pray constantly and regularly every time you sin in some little way. The idea that Jesus is teaching here is that we ought to regularly ask for God's forgiveness because we have it in Jesus Christ. We can regularly ask for God's forgiveness because of the cross. We have the Father's ear. Have you ever thought about that? That because of what Jesus did on Good Friday 2,000 years ago, you have access to the God of the universe every second of your day. There is never a time in life in which God says, I don't have time for you, or I can't hear you right now. Because of what Jesus has done, we have constant access to God as our Father, That's what we pray in the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we pray to our Father because we are in his Son, Jesus the Christ. And so Jesus, his Son, teaches us to pray regularly for forgiveness. This this whole prayer is something that we don't just pray one time. It's something we pray for regularly. And it's something we pray for regularly because we know, because of what Jesus has done, we can ask and receive it because of what Jesus has done we have the father's ear and the father wants to give these things he wants to provide your daily needs he wants to give forgiveness he wants to grant that to us this is a prayer we pray prayer re- this is a prayer we pray regularly i think about listening to uh, some of the godly men in my life and the way that they pray and, and you hear this prayer over and over again. And so maybe you'll think about people in your life that you've heard them pray, pray this prayer. I think about my grandfather and how almost every time that he prays at a family gathering, he, he thanks Jesus for the forgiveness that we have in him. I think about my father-in-law and how every meal that we have together, when he's praying, he asks, As he thanks God for the food that he's provided for us, he also asks God, Lord, forgive us for our sins. And he prays that not only for himself, but for his family that is sitting there with him. And and you think back to the kind of prayers and and the kind of life that Job lived in the Old Testament, where, where Job would even make sacrifices and offer prayers for his family just in case they had sinned against God that day. See, We have constant access to God, which means we can ask for forgiveness. Because of what Jesus has done, we have access to him, we have the Father's ear, and we ought to regularly come before the Father because of what Jesus has done for us, resting in his accomplished and finished work on the cross and saying, God, forgive me. Forgive us our debts. And then we thank him for providing what he's done in the cross with Jesus. Because here's the thing about forgiveness with God. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ, there is never a time in life where God is punishing you. God is never punishing you for your sins because Jesus has taken the full payment for your sins on the cross. There's nothing that you owe God anymore. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ, you owe God nothing because Jesus has paid it in full. He's taken your debt no matter how large it is and he has paid it completely. And so it doesn't matter what you're bringing into this room this morning. It doesn't matter how awful of a person you think you are. It doesn't matter how awful the things that you have done in life. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ... Your punishment, your debt has been paid in full. And you can pray this prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples to pray in faith, knowing that because of the cross, God answers this prayer Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Did you know that part of a vital and fruitful prayer life is is simply recognizing that? Is, is being willing to look at yourself and, and see the ways in which you've sinned against God and other people and, and then see how God has provided forgiveness for you and regularly asking for it and thanking him for it. Sometimes we think about our prayer life and it's, it's, it's kind of stale and it's the, the same thing over and over again. And Jesus teaches us this, this model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. He says, pray like this. And if we take the things that Jesus is teaching here in the Lord's Prayer and we begin to apply them to our lives on a daily basis, we begin to look at the ways in which we've sinned against God and our loved ones and we begin to repent of those things and turn back to God and seek out reconciliation with our loved ones and we pray this prayer, God, forgive us our debts. All of a sudden, it begins to transform your prayer life because you're praying what Jesus taught you to pray and you're resting on what Jesus has provided to make it possible. So is asking for forgiveness a regular part of your prayer life right now? Is this something that you do on a regular basis? And if not, why? You have the Father's ear. There's no moment in your life, no matter how much you've screwed up, no matter what you did last week, no matter what happened last night before you came to church this morning, no matter what happened in the car ride on the way here, as you're arguing as a family, as the kids are, are making it really difficult to get to church and you're, you're starting to yell at your spouse because you know, you're stressed and, and such, it doesn't matter what happened on the car ride here this morning. If you're in Jesus Christ, you have the Father's ear and forgiveness is made possible. And you can pray this prayer, God forgive us our debts, knowing that he's already done it in the cross. We can pray this prayer. And this prayer frees us from the sin that seeks to ensnare. So we see that we need forgiveness and then we pray for forgiveness regularly. And the reason we pray for forgiveness regularly is just the simple idea that God grants forgiveness, that he gives it because of what Jesus has done. We pray for forgiveness because God can and will forgive. We read in verses 14 and 15, and we see this idea that God is the one that's responsible for forgiveness. You see that phrase in verse 14, your heavenly father will also forgive you. And then in verse 15, you see the same phrase, but switched a little bit. Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And so what we see in those phrases is that the father is the one who holds the power to forgive. And here's the reason. The, one, the party who's been offended is the one who can grant forgiveness. And so if you think about your own relationships, if, if someone has wronged you in some way, they can't get forgiveness from anyone else, right? They have to come and get it from you. You're the one that can grant forgiveness if you're the offended party. And what the Bible teaches us is that no matter what we've done and no matter who it's been done against, all of our sin, all of our wrongdoing in life is ultimately sin against God himself, So David says it like this in Psalm 51, verse 4. He says, against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. And if you go to Psalm 51 and you read the little heading at the top, David has just been confronted about his sin with Bathsheba. And it was this awful, horrific thing that David did. He saw this woman bathing, and, and he took her. As the king, he knew he had authority, and he took her, and he slept with her. And, and then he, he ended up killing her husband, and then a prophet comes and confronts him about this sin. And David, as he's thinking about his sin, he knows he sinned against this woman and her family in profound ways. Even as king, he's sinned against his own kingdom, right? But when he thinks about his need, he he looks up to God and he says, against you only have I sinned. And what David is saying, he's not saying that he hasn't sinned in a profound way against this woman. He'd spend the rest of his life providing for her because he sinned against her in this way. But what David is recognizing is that any time we sin against another human being, we're sinning against the God who made them. And so ultimately, God the Father is the one who holds the power to forgive, because he's the primary offended party. And we need forgiveness from him. Forgiveness is is not this arbitrary thing that's just granted, like we can just kind of wish it out upon someone. It's actually a transaction that takes place that's made possible because of payment. Because someone has been willing to take the responsibility, has been willing to take the debt that you owed and be responsible for it themselves. And so in forgiveness, anytime there's forgiveness that takes place, there's a party who gives forgiveness and one who receives it. And so when we're talking about forgiveness as as believers in Christ, we are talking about the Father being the one who gives or grants forgiveness because of what Jesus has paid for on the cross, and then we are able to receive it because the debt has been paid in full. And so forgiveness is this transaction, and and because God is willing and able to grant it through Jesus' death on the cross, we ought to ask for it. We ought to ask him for forgiveness. It's freely made available to us. And and what Jesus teaches us in verses 14 and 15 is this. If you will forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And before we jump into our need to forgive others, there's something we have to recognize about ourselves. We have to recognize, like we said at the beginning, our need. First John says it this way. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think sometimes we read those verses in 1 John and we, and we think that the idea here is, is some, some guy who legitimately thinks about himself, I've never committed a wrong in life. We, we read it as though that's what it's saying when it says, if we say we have no sin, we, we, we kind of think about this person that, that says, you know, I've never sinned in my life. You know, I've never done anything wrong that I would need forgiveness for. That's not what John has in mind here. Each and every one of us knows that we've committed some kind of wrong against someone in life. Each and every one of us knows that we have sinned in certain ways. But what John is getting at is someone who doesn't recognize their particular sin, their actual sin, the, th- the sins that they are, are, are committing when they're confronted about them. They don't recognize it. They don't see it. They make excuses. That's what it means to say we, we don't have sin. And, and John says that if we act like this, if we are not willing to see our sin when we're confronted with it, if we're not willing to see the ways in which we've wronged God and wronged other people around us, then we deceive ourselves. Like Jeremiah teaches us that the heart is deceptive and wicked above all else. Did you know the, the most accurate perception of you is, is not your own? It's actually the one you can't trust the most. That's why we need community so badly. That's why we need other people in our lives to help us, to encourage us, to confront us when necessary, is because our hearts are prone to deceive us. That we're prone to not recognize our need for forgiveness, that we don't see it, and when it's present, we excuse it. But what we're promised in scripture because of the death of Jesus, and as Jesus Jesus teaches us to pray for forgiveness, is that it's actually possible that God is willing and able to grant it if we will ask for it, if we will come to God and ask, Father, forgive us our debts, forgive us for our sins. If we will come to him in the name of Jesus Christ, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from every wrong that we've committed, from every way in which that wrongdoing has affected our hearts. He is faithful and just. And finally, we see in those last verses that we need to forgive others because we've been forgiven by God. And, and Jesus talks about this as though it's so essential that if, if we don't forgive others, then we don't actually have forgiveness from the Father. And so Jesus isn't teaching that we get into heaven by forgiving people. He's not teaching that that somehow you know if you'll forgive everyone in your life, then you can make it into heaven. That's not what he's saying, because then it would be our works that get us into right relationship with God. But Paul says, "For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is a gift from God, not your own doing, that no one may boast." And so what Jesus is saying here is not this idea that if you forgive person A, B, and C in your life, then God's going to forgive you and put you in heaven. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is getting at here is that those who walk in this constant pattern of of a lack of forgiveness towards the people in their lives are not actually forgiven by God, that they do not actually understand the gospel. Because when we withhold forgiveness from people in our lives, we're, we're not recognizing how great our sin is against God. When we think that something that someone else in our lives has done is, is so bad that we can't forgive them, what we're saying is that their sin against us is worse than our sin against God. And that's never true. Your sin against God is, is always greater Than anything that could be done to you, because it's actually rebellion against the one who's actually good and true. Always, he's perfect. He's always good. He's all powerful. He's all wise. He knows everything, and he always does what is right. And so, when we sin against God, we're sinning against the King. David Platt talks about this illustration where he was, you know, talking with this cab driver about how um, whenever if if he were to, you know. Slap this cab driver, then, then there would be a pretty, you know, there should be some restitution made there, you know, um, before forgiveness could be possible. And, and then if he were to go up to a police officer in the same country and, and slap the police officer, then he'd be going to jail. And then, you know, he asked the, the cab driver, okay, so if I, if I slap you, there's some consequences. If I slap the police officer, then, you know, that's even worse. What if I went to the king of your country and I slapped him in the face? He said, oh, you'd be dead. And that's what we do when we sin against God. Sin against God is not so severe just because of the actual action. It's so severe because of who it's done against. We sin against the God who created us, the God who made all things, the God who rules and reigns over the universe, and the God who's offered us forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And we rebel against him despite his is constant offering of grace towards us and we refuse to receive forgiveness that's why it's a transaction god offers it the question is will we receive it and jesus says if if we don't forgive other people then we've missed this whole thing this is how he says it in matthew 18 Starting in verse 21, here's here's this parable that Jesus teaches. Peter comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Peter's getting at this idea that some people just keep doing it. Despite how many times you forgive them, they just keep doing it again. So he's saying, how many times should I forgive him? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. And he's not giving him an actual number. He's saying, he's saying, you ought to forgive perfectly. You ought to forgive always. And then he tells this parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. Ten thousand talents. The talent was a monetary unit worth about 20 years' wages for a laborer, so that's a lot of money. It was in 10,000 talents, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So what Jesus just said to us is that forgiving others is not an optional thing. You can't receive forgiveness from God and not grant it to others. Jesus says if you're someone who continually holds grudges, if you, if you find that you're always angry about everything and everyone and, and you can't overlook minor offenses and you, you, you don't pray for and seek out reconciliation with those who have wronged you, if you constantly are walking in this unforgiving attitude and, and not forgiving the people around you, then you've missed what God has provided for us in Jesus Christ. It's not that forgiving the people in your life makes you right with God. It's that if you're made right with God through the forgiveness that he gives us in Jesus, you will forgive the people around you. The Bible's teaching on forgiveness is not easy. It's really hard. Because sometimes there's things in this life that when we look at it and when we experience it, we don't think someone deserves it. And here's the thing, they don't. That's the thing about forgiveness is it's not deserved. Someone else pays your debt. There's a a few things that we need to know as we think about this idea, though, as we conclude. Forgiveness doesn't always mean fully restored trust. So there's times in life where you'll obey what Jesus is teaching here, and you will forgive someone but that doesn't mean that you trust them in the same way that you did before. Forgiveness doesn't mean fully restored trust in a fallen Genesis 3 world. It doesn't always mean that. Sometimes, and, and that's the ideal, and sometimes that can happen. But not always. Sometimes there's things like serial adultery and abuse and, and things that, that restored trust would actually be unwise. You can still extend forgiveness, but trust is another conversation. And forgiveness is, is also something that we we pray to grow in. So there's some of us in this room today that have held grudges, that we have struggled to forgive that person that wronged us five years ago, that we're still wrestling with anger in our hearts on a constant basis. And there's grace to be had coming to your heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ and saying, Forgive me my debts and help me to forgive my debtors, to forgive those who have wronged me. God will help you grow in this. His grace is sufficient for even that. We, we, we trust that he always does what is right, that, that the, the punishment for, the payment for whatever wrongdoing has been committed against us is either going to be paid by Jesus on the cross or paid at the end of days by those who have committed the wrong. Because God does not leave evil unpunished. He's too good for that. This is why we have hope in him. He's not someone who arbitrarily just forgives the murderer or the rapist. He deals justly with everyone, either through the cross or through judgment at the end of days. And finally, forgiveness is something that each and every one of us in this room needs. And it's something that God the Father is graciously willing to give if you'll trust in the Son, Jesus Christ. So if you've not done that today, I just want to invite you, maybe for the first time, to place your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ. Because this idea of forgiveness, it's it's being offered to you right now. And it's already been paid for. There's no catches. There's nothing you need to do. There's nothing more that you would owe because Jesus paid it all. So if you place your trust in Jesus Christ today, would you, would you stop me or, or someone around you before you leave this room today? And would you, would you just let us pray for you and walk alongside you? And friends, would you pray with me now as we ask this from God? Father, we come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, knowing that through him, you are our father that we have your ear in this very moment. And God, we pray first and most of all that you would forgive us our debts. You would grant us the forgiveness that was made possible by your son's death on the cross. God, we ask that you would help us as we struggle to forgive those around us, that you would give us grace to do so. That you would help us to see the wrongs committed against us as, as less than the wrongs we've committed against you. And that we would see that your grace and your justice are sufficient for every wrong thing that's been done against us, no matter how horrific it's been. God, we pray for your grace as we seek to forgive others. And we pray and we ask for your forgiveness for our deaths. In Jesus' name.